ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد So the last couple of lessons we've been discussing the topic of the decree. We know the decree or the iman in the decree is one of the pillars of iman. You have iman in Allah which we discussed to a reasonable degree at the beginning of this book, names and attributes etc. You have iman in the angels Iman in the books, Iman in the prophets, Iman in the day of judgment, and Iman in the decree. So all of those points, they have been coming up as we've been going through the book at various stages. And that is what you expect, a book of aqidah, then it's certainly going to cover those types of points throughout it. So here then we're on this topic of the decree and last week we mentioned that section where al-Imam al-Tahawi said فَلَوْ اجْتَمَعَ الْخَلْقُ كُلُّهُمْ عَلَى شَيْءٍ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى فِيهِ أَنَّهُ كَائِنْ لِيَجْعَلُوهُ غَيْرَ كَائِنْ لَمْ يَقْدِرُوا عَلَيْهِ وَلَوْ اجْتَمَعُوا كُلُّهُمْ عَلَى شَيْءٍ لَمْ يَكْتُبُهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى فِيهِ لِيَجْعَلُوهُ كَائِنًا لَمْ يَقْدِرُوا عَلَيْهِ جَفَّ الْقَلَمُ بِمَا هُوَ كَائِنٌ إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ That section we did last time, where it mentioned, Al-Imam Al-Tahawi said, if all of the creation got together to do something, or they got together upon an affair that Allah had written to occur, and they all got together to make it not occur, then they would not be able to do so. And if all of them got together upon an affair that Allah had not written to occur, to try and make it occur, they would not be able to do so. The pen has dried up uh, for all of that which will occur up until the day of judgment. That statement of Imam al-Tahawi then really it's based upon the hadith, the narration of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah, where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had said to him, Ya ghulam, ala u'allimuka kalimat, that oh boy, should I not teach you some words, some beneficial words, so pay attention to this, this is what, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught Abdullah ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhuma. He said to him, Ihfadillaha yahfadka. Guard over the rights of Allah and Allah will guard over you. Meaning fulfill the commandments Allah has prescribed upon you. Stay away from the haram Allah has prohibited you from. Guard over those rights of Allah. And then Allah will guard over you. 
احفظ الله تجده تجاهك God over preserve the rights of Allah and you will find Allah before you meaning you will find Allah in your aid and assistance preserve the rights of Allah and you will find Allah in your assistance وَإِذَا سَأَلْتَ فَاسْأَلِ And if you ask, you make dua and you ask, then ask from Allah. وَإِذَا اسْتَعَنْتَ فَاسْتَعِنْ And if you seek aid and assistance, then seek it from Allah. وَعَلَمْ أَنَّ الْأُمَّةِ لَوْ اجْتَمَعَتْ عَلَىٰ أَنْ يَنْفَأُوكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَمْ يَنْفَعُوكَ إِلَّا بِشَيْءٍ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ لَكَ and know that if all of the ummah got together to benefit you with something, then they would not be able to benefit you with anything unless it was something decreed by Allah. وَلَوْ اجْتَمَعُوا عَلَىٰ أَنْ يَذُرُّوكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَمْ يَذُرُّوكَ إِلَّا بِشَيْءٍ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكَ And if they all got together to harm you, they would not be able to harm you unless it was something that had been decreed by Allah. So they cannot do anything outside of the decree. All of the creation, everybody, if they got together, they would not be able to do anything that had not been prescribed in the decree. So that we covered last time. Moving on from that, there was also the statement of Imam Al-Tahawi where he said, وَمَا أَخْطَأَ الْعَبْدَهِ لَمْ يَكُنْ لِيُصِيبَهِ وَمَا أَصَابَهُ لَمْ يَكُنْ لِيُخْطِئَهِ That whatever bad or harm comes to you, whatever type of evil that you may not want, or some type of thing that you didn't desire, whatever item like that occurs to you, then that was never going to miss you. It was always going to happen. And whatever never ended up happening for you, you wanted something but it just didn't end up happening for you, then it just wasn't going to happen for you. The way it's been written, that's how things happen. You might want something, you think it's for the best, and you go after it, and you desire it, but it never happens for you. So khalas, that's the way the decree was, it was not written for you. And other times, something may occur to you, you didn't particularly desire, but if it occurred to you, it occurred to you. It was never going to miss you. Whatever's been decreed upon you, then that will occur. وَعَلَى الْعَبْدِ أَنْ يَعْلَمَ And this is the new section now. وَعَلَى الْعَبْدِ أَنْ يَعْلَمَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ قَدْ سَبَقَ عِلْمُهُ فِي كُلِّ كَائِنٍ مِنْ خَلْقِهِ The servant needs to recognize and understand and know that Allah's knowledge preceded everything in creation. That Allah's knowledge encompasses everything in creation. Everything is known to Allah. All statements, actions, occurrences. And we spoke about this before. That Allah's knowledge 
encompasses all of the past, everything that ever happened. Allah's knowledge encompasses all of the present, everything that is happening. And Allah's knowledge encompasses all of the future, everything that will happen. And then on top of that, Allah's knowledge encompasses the possibilities. Things that don't occur, should they occur, then Allah knows how they'll end up occurring if they were to have occurred and they didn't. So even the possibilities let alone the actualities of the past and the present and the future, the possibilities, the hypothetical scenarios, then Allah knows how they would have occurred if they occurred. So that is the all-encompassing knowledge of Allah. Al-Imam Al-Tahawi says here, the servant needs to recognize that Allah has that knowledge of everything prior to all of it. Allah's knowledge, absolutely complete and perfect of everything. فَقَدَّرَ ذَلِكَ تَقْدِيرًا مُحْكَمًا مُبْرَمًا So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prescribed the decree of all of those affairs with precision. The decree of all of those affairs upon Precision, absolutely precise in the manner all of that decree was written, all of that decree was made, occurred, everything perfect, with absolute precision. لَيْسَ فِيهِ نَاقِصٌ وَلَا مُعَقِّبٌ وَلَا مُزِيلٌ وَلَا مُغَيِّرٌ وَلَا نَاقِصٌ وَلَا زَائِدٌ مِنْ خَلْقِهِ فِي سَمَاوَاتِهِ وَأَرْضِهِ There is nobody, no one, who can make any deficiency into that decree, take anything away from it. There is no one who can overturn it. There is no one who can erase any of it. There is no one who can change any of it. No one who can add anything into it. No one has the ability from the heavens and the earth in his creation to change or alter or add or take away from the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that has been decreed upon absolute perfection and precision. Al-Imam ibn Abil Izz al-Hanafi says here in the explanation of that, هَذَا بِنَاءً عَلَى مَا تَقَدَّمَ مِنْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ تَعَالَى قَدْ سَبَقَ عِلْمُهُ بِالْكَائِنَاتِ وَأَنَّهُ قَدَّرَ مَقَادِيرَهَا قَبْلَ خَلْقِهَا Ibn Abil Izz al-Hanafi says, we've already previously come across that Allah decreed all of the decree everything with precision, even before the actual creation of the creation. And that was mentioned as he says in the hadith, where the Prophet ﷺ said, قَدَّرَ اللَّهُ مَقَادِيرَ الْخَلْقِ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَخْلُقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ بِخَمْسِينَ أَلْفَ سَنَةِ وَعَرْشُهُ عَلَى الْمَاءِ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote down the decree of everything 
50,000 years before the creation of the heavens and the earth, and his throne was above the water. فَيَعْلَمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ قَدْ عَلِمَ أَنَّ الْأَشْيَاءَ تَصِيرُ مَوْجُودًا لِأَوْقَاتِهَا So Allah knew exactly what creation was going to be created and when. All of the details of how things were going to occur and the creations were going to occur. Everything has been always in the knowledge of Allah. عَلَى مَقْتَضَتْهُ حِكْمَتُهُ الْبَالِغَةِ فَإِنَّ حُصُولَ الْمَخْلُوقَاتِ عَلَى مَا فِيهَا مِنْ غَرَائِبِ الْحِكَمِ لَا يُتَصَوَّرُ إِيجَادُهَا إِلَّا مِنْ عَالِمٍ قَدْ سَبَقَ عِلْمُهُ عَلَى إِيجَادِهَا Ibn Abil Izzah al-Hanafi says, There is no way to imagine how all of this creation with its intricacies could have been put together or created except by the one who had knowledge of all of this in advance. And that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of this could only have been put together by the creator who had knowledge of all of this and the creation and the intricacies from well before. Always had that knowledge of this creation and what is to be within it. And, فَإِنَّعَمْ قال تعالى ألا يعلم من خلق وهو اللطيف الخبير وأنكر غلات المعتزلة أن الله كان عالما في الأزل وقالوا إن الله تعالى لا يعلم أفعال العباد حتى يفعلوا We already mentioned how some of the people of innovation they went astray when it came to this issue and they began saying that Allah doesn't know what's going to happen until it actually happens. Some of the people of innovation say that. They used to say, the Qadariyah, that Allah doesn't know what's going to happen until it actually happens. And they are from the extreme deviance when it comes to the decree. And there were other deviants when it comes to the decree. Other uh, groups of innovation who claimed other things. The other side of the coin, the Jabariya, they claimed that of course Allah knows everything and Allah has decreed everything to such an extent. They began to say, we have no choice in anything. Everything we do, it is just the decree pushing us through. If that was the case, then a person who does sin, is it his fault and should he be punished then? He shouldn't then, if it's just the decree pushing through what's written for him. How do we understand that? We've mentioned it many times before now then. If somebody comes along and says, well, all of this is decreed 50,000 years before the creation was created. So, how is that now my choice and why am I going to be punished or rewarded? Everything's already been decreed, what's going to happen in my life? So then what do you say? Has everything been decreed that's going to happen in your life? Absolutely. Has it already been written where you're going to be, paradise or hell? Absolutely. So then, why bother? If it's all written and done, then why bother? 
Because like we said before, even though it's all been written, Allah has given us a will, choice. We choose what we do in our lives. Allah of course already knows what choices we're going to make. That's why Allah already knows. And it's already written whether we're going to end up in paradise or hell. Because Allah knows the choices we're going to make in life. But in life, as you go along at that moment in your life, you are making the choice to either worship Allah or not. Tonight you will make the choice to pray Isha or to miss it. You will make that choice. But whatever choice you make, Allah already knows that. And it's already written down. So the people out there who are choosing to miss the Isha tonight, choosing to miss all of their prayers tomorrow and the next day and the next day in all their lives, are already known to Allah this person is going to choose to miss his prayers all his life. And perhaps because of that and other reasons, it's already written, he's in the hellfire. But that person, he doesn't know that yet. Any moment in his life, he could change and start choosing to pray and pray. So in our lives, Allah has given us a will. We choose obedience or disobedience. Allah already knows what you're going to choose, and therefore it's already written where you're going to end up. We don't know what we're going to choose in our lives yet. So all we can do is just make sure every time we make the choice of obedience. Just make the choice of obedience every time. And follow through upon obedience in your lives. So that is the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Imam al-Tahawi here says therefore, nobody can take anything away from that decree. Nobody can add anything into the decree of Allah. Nobody can overturn it. Nobody can do any change to it. The decree of Allah is the decree of Allah. That's why it's mentioned from some of the Sahaba that they said the decree of Allah is the secret of Allah. The decree is the secret of Allah. And that's why we mentioned before, you don't start delving into the decree to a level where you go into philosophy and your mind goes beyond the bounds of what we can understand. And you start to become all confused, but if everything is written already, then how do I have a choice and how this and how that? And you get into all types of confusions and you become misguided. The affair is simple. Allah has given you a will. In the Quran, Allah told us that, وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهُ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ You do not will except that Allah willed it first. So Allah affirms that you do will and have a choice. But Allah has willed it already, meaning Allah already knows the choice you're going to make and it's already decreed. But at the moment of making it, you don't know what's been decreed yet. Alcohol sat in front of you, you don't know yet, has it been decreed I'm going to commit the sin and drink it or not, until you choose to either drink it or get rid of it. You're going to choose there and then. Allah knows what choice you're going to make, but you're going to make it there and then with your mind. That ability Allah's given you. And so if you choose to drink it, you'll be held accountable upon that choice you made. If you choose to get rid of it, then you have been obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you get the accountability of good on the day of judgment. So this is the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. After that, Imam al-Tahawi goes on to say, وَذَلِكَ مِنْ عَقْدِ الْإِيمَانِ وَأُصُولِ الْمَعْرِفَةِ This issue of the decree we've been discussing now for a couple of lessons 
He says this is from the key aspects of Iman. And we know it is, of course, it is the sixth pillar from the six pillars of Iman. And it's a very important pillar too. Because in the hadith of Jibreel, when the Prophet ﷺ told Jibreel about the six pillars, he told him it is أَن بِاللَّهِ وَمَلَائِكَتِهِ وَكُتُوبِهِ وَرُسُولِهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَأَن تُؤْمِنَ بِالْقَدَرِ خَيْرِهِ وَشَرِّهِ He told him, this is the way he phrased it, that you believe in Allah and the angels and the books and the prophets and the day of judgment and you believe in the decree. What do you notice? At the beginning the Prophet began by saying, Iman is that you believe in Allah and the angels and the prophets and the books and the day of judgment. But then he didn't just say, and the decree. He said, and that you believe in the decree. Emphasized again, and that you believe in the decree. It's good and it's bad. Didn't just add it on in the list like everything else. And the angels and the books and the prophets and the day of judgment and the decree. Wasn't left like that. It was and the books and the angels and the day of judgment and that you believe in the decree, it's good and it's bad. So that change of phrase, adding on those extra words again, indicates how important the belief in the decree is. Because a person who doesn't have a good understanding of the decree, a recognition of these points we've mentioned, then it can become one of the greatest whispers in the mind of a person. One of the easiest ways for the shaitan to attack an individual. A person goes through some difficulties in life, goes through some struggles in life. He doesn't recognize the decree and the, the basics of the decree we've been talking about. Everything is decreed by Allah. Everything is upon wisdom. If you face some trials and tribulations, Allah said in the Quran, الَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاةَ لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ Allah's created this life and death, death and life, in order to test you. A person who doesn't have any idea of these things, the minute some difficulties come to him in his life, some hardship, some calamity, that's it. The depression comes, they lose hope in Allah, they stop praying, they stop everything. And they become ill. All of these things occur to them because of their lack of recognition of their Lord and the decree of Allah. And that Allah has said in the Quran, yusra." With difficulty will come. Ease. Whoever fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, meaning whoever carries on upon the worship and stays away from the haram, carries on his obedience, then Allah will... Allah will make a way out for that person. But a person who doesn't recognize any of those basics, the minute something happens, that's it. Depression, abandon worship, abandon everything. Forget about the worship and their trust and dependence in Allah, gone. And that is the calamity that the shaitan relies upon. Uh, an entrance point the shaitan uses with the people. So it's very important to study these basics the pillars of Iman, 
to understand what your trust in Allah is, what your dependence in Allah is, knowing when some difficulty occurs, everything is by the wisdom of Allah. You keep your trust in Allah, you make dua, you know that Allah will make a way out for you and bring some ease for you. Maintain your worship and obedience. That's what a servant of Allah does. And that's why in the hadith it mentions too, إِنَّ أَشَدَّ النَّاسِ بِتِلَاءَنَ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ ثُمَّ الْأَمْثَلْ فَالْأَمْثَلْ The most tested of the people are the prophets. They were the ones who got the biggest tests and trials. Then those who are most like them and those who are most like them. The more you are practicing and upon the religion and everything, then you're gonna come across difficulties and tests and trials. The prophets and the messengers, they faced tests and trials from the mushrikeen and the people opposing them, fighting them, wanting to kill them. All types of tests and trials, far more than any of us. So these tests and trials, they happen. But we need to recognize this is the decree of Allah. Decreed 50,000 years before the creation of this creation. And, مَا شَاءَ اللَّهُ كَانْ وَمَا لَمْ يَشَأْ لَمْ يَكُنْ Whatever Allah wills will occur, and whatever Allah does not will, will not occur. If a servant truly understands that, then you'll be able to find peace. You'll be able to be comfortable and at ease with life. And whatever occurs, knowing that you keep your trust in Allah and return back to Allah, make your dua, keep your trust, you know that. And that's why Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah mentioned, in the levels of patience, when some difficulty happens to you, if you remain patient, you're content with what's happened as it is and you remain patient, then that is a good high level of patience. That you can demonstrate restraint. You know that whatever's happening is the decree of Allah, whatever difficulty you're going through, so you keep yourself calm and you carry on. Remain patient, keep yourself calm over the issue, know it's the decree of Allah and carry on. That's a good level of patience. But there's an even higher level of patience than that. How could you be patient even more than that? Some difficulty comes, keep yourself calm, keep yourself upon worship, carry on. That's it, isn't it? What is the higher level of patience than that? That you even thank Allah for whatever situation you're in. You show gratitude to Allah for whatever's happening and the decree that's happening. Recognizing that whatever is happening is by the wisdom of Allah. It's all the decree of Allah. So you're happy with whatever Allah has decreed for you, get on with it. Whatever difficulty, calamity, make dua, drop your sins, make uh, seek forgiveness, because maybe it is a, a consequence of your sins or a consequence of your wrongs. So you recognize these things. Make istighfar, ask Allah for forgiveness. May remain content and happy upon the situation. Full trust in Allah. That is a real high level of patience from a servant. But as for a person, when these difficulties happen, that's it, drop, stop the worship, stop the mosque, stop the classes, everything, can't do it now, depression. And that shows that this person, his iman is weak and the shaitan is easily be able to attack him. So that's why it's uh, very important for a person to keep connected with knowledge, with gatherings of knowledge, with Quran, with sunnah, because all of that maintains your iman.
A person abandons those things, becomes weak with his connection to lessons, to knowledge, to Quran, to Sunnah. The less you do of any of that, the more distant you become, then the easier for the shaitan to attack that type of individual. So these gatherings where you're talking about Allah, you're talking about the hadith, all of these things, this knowledge of the sunnah, the revelation, it's something which increases and strengthens your iman. As the scholars say, what is the number one method of strengthening and increasing your iman? Salat, generally worship of course, but what is one thing the scholars always highlight? Seeking knowledge. Seeking knowledge, they always say, is right at the top in terms of increasing iman. Because when you seek knowledge, what is this knowledge about? You're talking about Allah, your creator. You're talking about the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam. You're talking about the sunnah, the hadith. This is the basis and the reason why you've been created. Quran, sunnah, hadith, all these things. So the more you get involved with that, the more your iman strengthens. The less you're involved with knowledge, Quran, Sunnah, etc., the weaker your Iman will start to become and lower, and it will not increase and strengthen. So here, he says, this belief in the decree, min aqdil Iman, it is from those key aspects of Iman, and from the foundations of the knowledge that we need to have. وَلِعْتِرَافْ بِتَوْحِيدِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَرُبُوبِيَّتِهِ and within this is an acknowledgement, a recognition of the rububiyyah of Allah. The decree of Allah is connected to the rububiyyah of Allah. What was the rububiyyah of Allah? The recognition that Allah alone is the creator, the provider, the sustainer, the one who gives life and death, the one who creates the universe, the one who controls the universe. Allah alone does all of that. The decree comes into that. Allah alone has decreed all of these things, creates everything, controls everything. So the decree is connected to your recognition of the Lordship of Allah. And that's what Imam Al-Tahawi says here. كَمَا قَالَ تَعَالَى فِي كِتَابِهِ Just as Allah mentioned in His book, وَخَلَقَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ فَقَدَّرَهُ تَقْدِيرًا That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created everything and then decreed upon it with precision. وَكَانَ أَمْرُ اللَّهِ قَدَرًا مَقْدُورًا And all of the affair of Allah was that decree upon its precision. So everything has been created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created with precision, with detail, with perfection. That is the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this recognition of the rububiyyah of Allah, that is important. Because your iman in Allah is obviously the foundation of your iman. Your iman that Allah is the creator alone, the provider alone. He is the one who gives life and death alone. He is the one who controls the universe alone you fully understand those things, then you know that your trust and your dependence will be only in Allah. Your dua will be to only Allah. Not going to the graves and to the peer and to this one and that one and make dua for me or to the dead in the graves asking them to dua for you. 
or asking them to take your dua to Allah. All of these things, why? Make your dua to Allah. As Allah said, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِ عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ وَجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّعِي إِذَا دَعَانِ If they ask you, tell them I'm close. I answer the dua of the one who calls upon me. So asking Allah, making dua to Allah, raising your hands in the dua, all of this is what is required of a servant. That you show your poverty before your Lord, and your trust and your connection and your attachment and your dependence is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not the Mawlana, as they say, who's in the grave now, go to his grave and do the dua there. Do the dua to Allah directly. Wake up in the last third of the night and call upon Allah. In the prostration in your prayer, call upon Allah. This is the Sunni way. Not the way of the people of innovation. Go to the graves and go to the pier and go to this one and go to that one. Go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Call upon your Lord. Call upon the one who answers the dua, who hears everyone. That is the one that you call upon. That is who you have your trust and dependence in. That is the way of tawheed. That is the way of the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. So here, it mentions these points. And then, the final section in the decree, Al-Imam Al-Tahawi says, فَوَيْلٌ So, woe be to those, woe be to those, لِمَنْ صَارَ لِلَّهِ تَعَالَى فِي الْقَدَرِ خَصِيمًا Woe be to those who dispute the decree of Allah. Woe be to those, calamity upon those, disaster upon those, who try to dispute and argue the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَأَحْضَرَ لِلنَّظَرِ فِيهِ قَلْبًا And calamity and disaster for those, who, when approaching this topic of the decree, approach it with a diseased heart. So they look into this affair with a diseased heart, a diseased perspective, and they go off into innovations and distortions and misguidances. لَقَدِ الْتَمَسَ بِوَهْمِهِ فِي فَحْصِ الْغَيْبِ سِرًّا كَتِيمًا Those people who upon their delusions, what's the word they use? After that, they have sought to uncover an undiscoverable matter with their vain and desultory attempts at examining the unseen. Mm-hmm. So, these people who, upon delusion, they are deluded, deluded into thinking that they can discover the secrets of the decree, calamity and disaster for those who are deluded into thinking that they can discover the secrets of the decree, and the knowledge of the unseen. And that's why we studied before, in the book about the nullifiers of Islam, that a person who claims to have knowledge of the unseen, then that is one of the categories of, Tahut, category of kufr, claiming that you have knowledge of the unseen. So a calamity for those types of people who think they can delve into this, go into philosophy and they can work out secrets of the decree. وَعَادَ بِمَا قَالَ فِيهِ أَفَّاكًا أَثِيمًا Those types of people who go into these issues and delve into them and philosophy, philosophy and those things become all philosophical about their debates and arguments, then they will only end up with conclusions 
that are in reality lies. They will end up as liars and fabricators when it comes to these issues of the religion. Because they have not understood them in accordance to the Qur'an and the Sunnah. In the explanation, Ibn Abil Izz al-Hanafi says, Al-Qalb lahu hayat wa maut wa marad wa shifa. The heart of a person has life and death, good health and disease. The heart of a person has life or death, good health or disease. وَذَلِكَ أَعْظَمْ مِمَّا لِلْبَدْنِ And those affairs of the heart, these different states of the heart, are a greater affair than the affair of your body. Your body as a whole being sick or being healthy, that's one thing. Your heart being sick and not being healthy, being diseased and not being healthy, that is much more severe. And that's why guarding over the heart is more of a need than guarding over the body. The Salaf, they used to say, Imam Malik and others, that you are in need of knowledge and iman and these types of affairs for your heart even more than you are in need of food for your body. You are in need of that knowledge and that iman and those affairs for your heart even more than you need food for your body. Because that heart is what is the key. That is the key. أَوَمَنْ كَانَ مَيْتًا فَحِيْنَاهُ وَجَعَلْنَا لَهُ نُورًا يَمْشِي بِهِ فِي النَّاسِ كَمَّنْ مَثَلُهُ فَالظُّلَمَاتِ لَيْسَ بِخَارِجٍ مِنْهَا The ayah mentions the one who was dead and then we brought him back to life and he walks with light amongst the people. Is that like the one who walks in darkness and cannot come out of it? أَيْ كَانَ مَيْتًا بِالْكُفَرِ Meaning somebody who was dead with kufr and then Allah brought them to life with iman. So the heart that is in good health and alive, إِذَا عُرِضَ عَلَيْهِ الْبَاطِلِ وَالْقَبَائِحِ نَفَرَ مِنْهَا بِطَبْعِهِ The heart that is in good health and upon iman, when the evil and the diseases and the innovations they come, that heart can repel them and can free itself from them. But as for a heart that is diseased and weak, when those issues come, they overwhelm his heart. كَمَا قَالَ عَبْدَ اللَّهِ بْنَ مَسْعُودِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ هَلَا كَمَنْ لَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ قَلْبٌ يَعْرِفُ بِهِ الْمَعْرُوفِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, the companion of the Prophet ﷺ, he said, رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ a person who has a heart that cannot distinguish the good and the bad is destroyed. A person who has a heart that cannot distinguish, doesn't know the good from the bad, then that person is destroyed. Because how are you otherwise going to then practice and implement the halal and the good and stay away from the haram if your heart is diseased and it's all mixed and you don't have any understanding? That type of person is destroyed, the companion. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said, and this comes back to what we mentioned once before, that the diseases that can overcome the heart are two main types. What are those two main types of diseases that overcome the heart of a person? Shubuhat and shahawat. Desires and doubts. Doubts and desires. 
Doubts when it comes to issues of aqidah, the decree, all various things. Doubts come into your mind. How this, why that? You go into the way of philosophy and the people of innovation and all these doubts, they rip you apart. And you can no longer work out what's going on and you've thrown yourself into this mess. Doubts overcome you and disease you. The other one is desires. Desires of the types of desires that exist in the world. Desires of wealth, desires of other affairs. Shaitan pulls you to those desires and the beauties of the world and they corrupt your heart too. The desires of the world and the doubts that enter you, those are the two main ways that the shaitan attacks a person. One through doubts, makes you confused about your religion, so diseases your heart like that. And secondly, through desires, following the beauties of the world, chasing after the desires of the world, corrupts your heart too. So those are the two key things to keep uh, 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 informed about and give importance to, to make sure that they do not overcome an individual. That brings us to the end of the chapter regarding the decree then. Next time we'll start the chapter, which is the chapter now talking about the throne of Allah. The throne of Allah. We know that all of this creation at the top is the heavens and everything. The heavens and all that which is between them. Then above the heavens and above everything else is the throne of Allah. Above all of the rest of the creation is the throne of Allah. Then above that, the Most High is Allah. So that throne of Allah, what do we know about it? Next week, inshallah ta'ala, the discussion is going to be regarding the throne of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, the size of the throne of Allah, the angels that carry the throne of Allah, all types of details that are mentioned in the Qur'an, in the sunnah, about the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is what we'll discuss next week insha'Allah ta'ala, and that will be at uh, 7pm, 7pm next week then, after Maghrib, we'll carry on with that. Any questions up to there then? Punishments of sins in this world, it is possible to see the consequences of sins in this world. It is possible. There are certain punishments which are prescribed for sins in this world. And if you get them, then you don't get a punishment in the hereafter. For example, somebody who steals a certain amount. People mistake, they think if you steal a a one penny seat, does that mean your hand is chopped off? No, it's a certain type and certain amount. Not just a penny sweet. But if somebody does that type of stealing, so their hand is chopped off now in the hereafter, will they be punished for that stealing again? No. Done. You've had your punishment now. So certain punishments like that, like whipping for alcohol and things, if you've had that punishment, you've had it in this world, you've been given it, then you won't get punished again for that now. It's wiped out now. So some punishments are here. They're prescribed to be given now. Otherwise... It is possible sometimes certain things that happen to you, certain issues that occur could be as a consequence of your evil actions and sins. So that's why Shaykh al-Islam says, even if somebody does something wrong to you, somebody oppresses you, does zulm to you, the first thing you should look at is not him and he's done this and he's done that. Look at yourself, what have you been doing recently? 
Have you been sinning and sinning recently yourself? Maybe that's the reason this decree happened. Maybe that's the reason this person was decreed to do dhulm upon you. Because of how much sinning you've been doing yourself recently. So maybe sins could manifest themselves in consequences, in certain issues, possibly in this world like that too. The oath of sin does not become binding. A person who makes an oath upon sin is not binding. You say, Wallahi, I'm going to break your arm. Then now does he have to go do it otherwise because he's made the oath now? <laughs> so you can't do it. If you've made an oath upon sin, you can't carry it out. So you seek repentance from that and you seek forgiveness from that. It's a sin what you're doing in anger and making these oaths and everything. But you don't carry out oaths of sin. So you repent from that, seek forgiveness from that, and that's it. You have to fast on uh, some of the scholars, they say, an oath of sin, you don't have to do it for that. You seek repentance, sincere, genuine repentance. Otherwise, you'll be held accountable as a sin upon that and punished for it on the Day of Judgment. Uh, but the kafara, they say, some of the scholars say no, because an oath of sin, they say, is an invalid oath in the first place. Wallahi, I'm going to break your arm. That's an invalid oath in the first place. You can't make an oath upon sin. So they said that doesn't count in the first place. It's an invalid oath. But you've got to repent. It's a sin written against you. And you'll be punished for it on the day of judgment. Unless you repent from it and seek forgiveness genuinely from it. You mentioned Allah will be to change the decree. But Allah has the ability to change the decree. Yes, but Allah has written everything upon knowledge. Absolute knowledge. There is no need ever... For Allah to change the decree. Because that would mean that Allah didn't know about something and now He knows so He wants to change it. That, never, that situation is never going to arise. That situation is never going to arise. Allah knows everything, every circumstance, every situation. And Allah is all capable. Absolutely. Allah is all capable of everything. But Allah has written the decree already upon absolute wisdom. And there's never going to be a situation where something needs changing now because that indicates that you weren't aware of something, now you are, so it needs changing. That's never the case with Allah. Allah's knowledge encompasses everything. The whole decree was written upon perfection. But generally, yes, Allah is all capable of everything. Yeah, yeah, these groups... Uh, they have different beliefs in different topics. And some of them are more umbrella type groups that have factions underneath them. So for example, when it comes to the decree, you have the overall group, you could say the Jahmiyyah. And then you have subsections of them who have differences. So what you have to do with the groups is, look at them all in the different subjects so that you don't end up comparing apples and pears. That's what's going to happen otherwise. Because sometimes the Mu'tazila, they may have different subsections. You could say the Mu'tazila are the overall group who erred in this particular issue. But then there's this group and that group and that group and they are all types of Mu'tazila for example. But those types of issues really, it's, uh, 
you have to start breaking down the different groups and looking at it in charts and working things out where what who differed in which area which groups made mistakes in what areas that's a bit more complicated looking at all of that the basic thing what you need to understand is what those deviances of the people were and what the belief of Ahl Sunnah is we know now the deviances of the Qadariya, the Jabariya the people who made a deviation in the decree some of them said Allah doesn't know what's going to happen until it happens we know that's false some of them say we have no choice in the decree we're just following through what's happening to us that's false so you know the false beliefs and then you know the belief of Ahl Sunnah that's the key All right, we'll conclude. Oh. Before we uh, get on to the you know, next week's lesson, people who read this section on the Arsh, there was a problematic word that we spoke about. Oh, khalas, we'll deal with that next week then. We'll have a look. Uh, there's, uh, for the people who have got this copy, this brown copy, uh, who is it, Darwat? What's the publisher? Darwat. Uh, Arqam? Yeah, print, the brown print. There's uh, some areas of the translation that don't seem to be quite accurate. So we'll, we'll make a point of that next week when we're in the topic. There's one particular section, especially where it's not quite accurate how they've translated it. Could have been used better words in English. But we'll, we'll, we'll highlight that next week, inshallah. All right, next week then, 7 o'clock, inshallah.